Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now, here's your host for today's broadcast, Dwayne Sheriff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff, and I'm excited about what I have on my heart to share. And I appreciate you being with us. This is a live call-in show. We like to interact, especially with our partners and those, again, that are just seeking the truth and a liberty that comes in Christ. And that's what Truth and Liberty is all about, is we want to be informative on current events and what's going on in our world. But we also want to inspire and encourage you in your faith in these challenging times. Well, before I get into what's on my heart again today, I've got a few announcements. Let me give you the phone number so that you can be prepared to call in if that's on your heart. You can call us at 719-619-2341. That's 719-619-2341. We also have a prayer line, and I believe that our prayer ministry teams are some of the best absolutely in the world. It's a 24-hour, seven days a week prayer line, and these people have been trained and know how to pray, what to pray, encourage you in your walk of prayer as well as your walk of faith. And so you can call us for prayer anytime at 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. And so I want to encourage you to access that. There's always times that we need prayer and we need someone that knows how to pray and can pray with us and be in agreement so that we can see the will of God in our lives. Let me give you a, a few announcements. We have our Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference 2024. That's in Phoenix, Arizona. And that actually starts tonight. That is where Andrew is, and he'll be speaking, and also Pastor Jim Baker. The location is the Renaissance Phoenix Glendale Hotel and Spa. Renaissance Phoenix Glendale Hotel and Spa. And you can register at AWMI. Dot net. And again, that starts tonight, January the 4th, and we'll go through the 5th and the 6th. And I know that'll be a blessing to you. We also have a Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America event coming up in 2024. And that's in Dallas, Texas. And Brother Andrew Walmack will be speaking, uh, as well as our very own Richard Harris, right here from Truth and Liberty. And so it's in Dallas, Texas at the Trinity Dallas Church, 4050 Herschel Avenue, Dallas, Texas, 75219. For more information, and you can register for that event at SBA, Susan B. Anthony, sbaprolife.org. Also on January 27th, 
There's the Stand Foundation and the Called Church Service. The Stand Foundation and the Called Church Service 2024. That's January the 27th. And Andrew will also be speaking, Andrew Walmack, at that particular one-day event, and the Bishop E.W. Jackson. And E.W. Jackson has been on Truth and Liberty a number of times. He ran for and was running for president, just didn't get the traction, didn't get uh, the airtime that others got. And uh, I'm sure he'll have a lot to say and be a tremendous blessing for you. So that is at 700 Conference Center Drive, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23320, United States. Again, that's in Chesapeake, Virginia, at the 700 Conference Center Drive. Um, you can register for that at Stand America, standamerica.us. Want to also remind you of our website and to familiarize yourself with our web website here at truthandliberty.net, truthandliberty.net, one word, truthandliberty.net. And we just have so many valuable resources available for you, things that have been vetted and sources that have been vetted, at least to a measure where you can get some similitude of the truth. We're actually coming into the election cycle, and my whole adult life, it's been a little crazy and crazy time, but it has gotten bizarre. And the fraud and the lying, <laughs> you're going to need God, and you're going to need a source for news, events that have taken place. You need a, a place where some similitude of the truth is being, being uh, promoted, not propaganda and lies. And again, it's going to get rough, I believe, this particular election section of the, of the time uh, in 2024. And uh, man, we need to hear God. We need, again, accurate information of who is going to invoke what policy upon us and procedures. We need to clean up our government. We need to believe God to put in people, if not godly at this point, we're so far backslidden, brothers and sisters, that we're going to have to pick, I guarantee at the end of the day, the lesser of two evils, at least for a season. And we're just going to have to vote for people that are the closest to God. Everybody's a long way away from God. Some are further away and some are closer. And you're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to hear God, and you're going to have to have, again, a source for real news. Well, that'll be right here at Truth and Liberty. We'll all, as guest hosts, be having different people on to bring us information, and I know that'll be a, that'll be a blessing to you. All of our past episodes are archived right there at truthandliberty.net on the website. I'm going to be sharing again on some safeguards in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, to help us to not be deceived in these last days. And I'm going to continue where I left off yesterday. And so you may want to go back or, or get a hold of a family or a friend to go back and review yesterday's episode where I discussed the safeguards against deception. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 Paul is writing a, 
a young pastor, and he's saying that the Spirit expressly says, I mean, this is a serious thing. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. And then he goes on to list some of the <laughs> deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils in his time. I can't imagine what he would write the church today, what he would write pastors today in regards to all these deceiving spirits in our culture and literally doctrines of devils. There are things that people believe today that was absolutely unheard of 50 years ago. Wasn't even on the radar screen. Nobody that was sane or wanted to be considered sane would be believing in the things people are believing in today. And that's a little spooky. That's a little concerning, brothers and sisters, that deception is getting stronger and stronger. It's come into the church. It's affected and infected many of our churches, and we need to guard our hearts. We need to know what has God provided for us so that we be not deceived. There's approximately or a little over 50 references in the New Testament alone that admonish us to be not deceived to be cautious of deceivers that have gone out. And so we just simply need to know what are some boundaries? What are some safeguards for our hearts, our families, our lives in regards to deception and being not deceived? And I could go through some scriptures uh, that the very scriptures themselves that say be not deceived and then make comments I've known of people that have been deceived right in the middle of a scripture that says, don't be deceived. Uh, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will a man reap. If we sow to our flesh, we reap corruption. If we sow to the spirit, we of the spirit reap everlasting life. And yet, man, I've heard people say that the law of sowing and reaping is not for us today. Right there where it said, do not be deceived. <laughs> Whether we're deceived or not, God's not going to be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that's what he's going to reap. If we sow to our flesh, of our flesh, not of God, but of our flesh, we'll reap a form of corruption. In 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 15, around verse 33, it says, Be not deceived. Evil communications will corrupt good manners. How many parents have been deceived, and they allow their children to hang out with people that are drawing them away from God, that are taking them away from the things of God, and and moral uh, absolutes and, and virtues that are near and dear to the heart of God. It's as if the parents are deceived. Your kids can't hang out with people that deny God, that the Bible says are fools, and not wind up being foolish. And yet many are deceived. And so on and on I can go with the admonitions of be not deceived. So what are these safeguards? I'm just going to try to cover these Briefly, I got bogged down yesterday on yesterday's show uh, on the third one, and there's at least six here that I have that I've worked on in my own life, my family, different churches that I'm affiliated with to, to encourage them, admonish them, and equip them to not be deceived. One is the Word of God. Without exception, people who get off into deception, people who, who depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines literally of devils, 
there's a compromise somewhere of the Word of God. And you need to let God be true and every man a liar. That's not saying every man is a liar. It's saying God and what God says trumps what anybody else says. And that includes yourself. That you may feel like something is good or right and pure, but if God says it's impure, then you've got to let God be true. God's word has to be absolute authority in your, in your life. And brothers and sisters, I can tell you in traveling these many decades, I, I'm always amazed at how many people do not exalt God's word. How many churches do not exalt God's word? That God's word is final authority. If God says it's up, it's up. We may, we may not understand why it's up, how it's up, but if God says it's up, it's up. If he says it's down, it's down. If God says it's good, good. It doesn't matter how you feel, what college professors say, politicians, or even preachers in a, a pulpit say. If God says this is good, then it's good. If God says this is evil, then it's evil. And so you cannot be deceived unless you compromise God's word. And we have entire churches that have compromised God's word in the area of our sexuality, in the area of our character, in the area of our conduct one toward another. So I want to encourage you, be a student of the word, that if you could at all send your, your graduate from high school to Karis Bible School for at least one year, I encourage you to pray about that that it would be better to send them to Karis Bible School for one year to get a good biblical foundation and get their faith established before they have to go off to a college somewhere that's going to teach and tempt them to depart from the faith. So God's word is first and foremost in our life. Number two, the second safeguard that God has given us is his voice, is his voice. If you are his sheep, Jesus promised you in John 10, 4 and 5, that you would hear his voice, that you would know his voice, that you would not follow the voice of the stranger. That's the voice of the dragon, the devil, the serpent in Revelation 13, 11. And in our culture, the voice of the dragon now, because we have backslidden and removed God's word, now we're not discerning God's voice. See, God's word and being in God's word will enhance your inner ear to hear God's voice. But right now, the voice of the dragon seems to prevail. That John said, I saw this, this lamb coming out from the earth that had two horns. And again, it looked like a lamb that had the voice of the dragon. Satan always makes things look like the lamb. He makes things look like God, feel like God, seem like God, and that's how he deceives people. But you have and should know the voice of the lamb, and when you learn the voice of the lamb, when you learn to hear God's voice, you'll recognize the voice of the dragon immediately. And so study the voice of God, learn the voice of God, develop an ear, your inner ear to hear the voice of God. And I spent time on that in our last session. So number three then is the fear of God, the fear of God. In Job chapter 28, verse 28, 
Job speaks of how that, that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. The book of Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but Job said that the fear of the Lord is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding, is understanding. We are to be departing from evil because we fear God instead of departing from the faith because we embrace wickedness. We, even in the church, need to be awakened in this hour. We need a move of God in the heart and in our culture to bring reformation to our country and to get back to just some, some simple Judeo-Christian principles. On one of the um, shows that I'll be hosting this year, I'm just going to cover some Judeo-Christian principles because we say many times, hey, we need to get back to Judeo-Christian principles. Well, what are Judeo-Christian principles? Can you name some Judeo-Christian principles? And so I'll get into those and encourage you in those. But right now, we need to learn the fear of the Lord. Jesus, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3, uh, he, he delighted in the fear of the Lord and that the spirit of the fear of the Lord was upon him. So there's a healthy fear, a fear of God, that when you remove the fear of God, people embrace wickedness. But when you fear God, and when our children fear God with this healthy fear, I'm not talking about a demonic fear, a tormenting fear um, of God's wrath and anger. I'm talking about a sense of the magnitude of who God is. I'm talking about glorifying God. People who fear God glorify God, and they have a thankful, grateful heart. They see who God is and how good he's been to them, and they fear him. They respect him. They are in awe of him. They will depart from evil. People who begin to embrace all this wickedness, listen, they depart from the faith. You don't want to be departing from the faith. You want to depart from evil. How do we do that? Fearing God learning the fear of the Lord. All right, number four is the simplicity of Jesus. And I want to say that again, the simplicity of Jesus. The focus that we have on a person is what keeps us from being deceived. Every teaching, every doctrine in the church ultimately has to come back to Jesus and who Jesus is. Every good thing in our life comes from Jesus and every th good thing in our life in thanksgiving and worship and praise goes back to Jesus. And man, I have found people who love Jesus, people who keep it simple, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, not being ashamed of it. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 says, and that we see that revelation from faith to faith, and the just now are to live by faith. Faith in what? Not faith in ourselves, not faith in doctrines, but faith in a person. We have a relationship, brothers and sisters, with a person. And if you facilitate your relationship with a person, the serpent, the devil, the dragon that deceives the whole world, he will not be able to draw you away if you love Jesus and you make it all about Jesus. Listen to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1, in the New King James Bible. Oh, that you would...
is His name is jealousy. We know many of us the names of God that reveal his attributes, his character, his nature. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sid Canoe, El Shaddai. On and on I could go with the names of God that many of us are familiar with. But how many have ever heard God's name is jealousy? It's Exodus 34, 14. His name is jealousy. And we have to know God is pursuing us and we can't push him aside and look to the gods of this world. We can't be, we can't be developing relationships and friendship with the world. James says in James chapter four, that'll make us an enemy of God. And so you just need to develop your love relationship with the Lord. Here's a scripture the Lord gave me years ago. Uh, John chapter five, verse 39, Jesus is speaking here in John five thirty-nine. He says, search the scriptures. That's the old covenant, the ancient Hebrew scriptures, search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me and you won't come unto me that you might have life. We have a relationship, not with a book, not with a doctrine, not with a, a ritual, a religion, if you will. We have a relationship with a person. And if you'll search the scriptures and make sure they take you to Jesus, you won't be deceived in these last of the last days. You won't depart from the faith. You'll depart from evil because of the fear of the Lord being developed in your heart. We need to understand Jesus truly is the Messiah. And there's approximately 350 prophecies in the ancient scriptures, in the Hebrew scriptures, that literally point and are fulfilled in Jesus. And the probability of even eight of the 350 hundreds of years being prophesied, he'll be born of a virgin, he'll be born in Bethlehem, uh, he, he'll be born again in a, in, a, in a manger. He'll, on and on it goes with all of these things that will happen. And, and the prophets got into that realm of the spirit realm that has no time or space. And they saw clearly who Jesus was and what Jesus would do and where Jesus would be and what he would be doing in where he would be. It's just amazing. Uh, again, how the, the Old Testament testifies of Jesus. It all points to Jesus. It all points to salvation, to our redemption, to the sacrifice of the lamb. All the lambs, they all point to Jesus. All the blood sacrifices point to the one and final sacrifice, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so we need to search the scriptures and they lead us to a person and you will not be deceived. Your families will not be deceived if we allow the scriptures to take us to Jesus. Any teaching that we do. This is what I love about Karis and Andrew Walmack as a friend, uh, Andrew Walmack Ministries, and just being associated with this ministry at, at any level is such an honor because I've never heard anything taught that didn't lead people to a closer, intimate relationship with Jesus. Man, 
That's how you can know what's of God and what's not of God. If anything is taking you one step away from Jesus, that's not good. You need to renounce that. But anything that's taking you one step closer to Jesus is a good thing. And so this simplicity of Jesus, let me get back to what he said after he talked about being jealous and how that there was godly je jealousy. Look at verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, King James says subtlety, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Jesus. What is it that corrupts our minds? We get away from the simplicity of Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 and 7, talk about being rooted in him and built up in him and established in our faith, abounding with thanksgiving. And then verse 8 says, beware, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, the traditions of men, and the elementary, rudimentary principles of this world, the demonic forces of this world. And all four of them take us away from the simplicity of Jesus. There is a philosophy of man, a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And then there's God's philosophy. God has a philosophy, a way of thinking, and that's his word. That's his kingdom. He has a way of living that is a superior way to any kingdom in the world, a way of thinking. He's truth. His nature is truth. His word is truth. Truth is unveiled in the word of God and will always make you free. It'll set you free. Lies, fraud, and deception will ensnare you. And so here we go again with the importance of the word of God being first and foremost in your life. And back again to the simplicity that's in Jesus. The traditions of men make the word of God of none effect, Mark 7, 13 said. So keep it simple. It's about Jesus. It's about salvation. It's about freedom from Satan, freedom from sin, freedom from self-centeredness. Jesus came and Christ has made us free. It is for freedom, Galatians 5, 1, that says Christ has made us free. Keep it simple. And then he talks about the gospel and preaching Jesus, preaching the gospel, and making sure we're following the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that's been sent. So simplicity is how we keep from being deceived. Man, I missed my time, Mark. I'm going to take a break for 90 seconds, and then we're going to take your phone calls, and I'll make sure I cover all of these. I'll be back in just a minute. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. 
We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm uh, Dwayne Sheriff, your host today, and I'm sharing on safeguards uh, against deception in these latter of the latter days. And we're covering just different things that God has given us that as long as we're yielding to those things and submissive to those things, we do not have to fear being deceived, that we will not be drawn, drawn away by the woke movement, by all the silliness and foolishness that politicians are, are participating in, all the lies and fraud of the media. We can, be, we can be delivered from all of this stuff if we simply put these safeguards in mind. Before I start taking your calls, because it's the election season, I got asked just recently, <laughs> do I still believe that there was fraud involved in the 2020 election? Do I believe that there was interference, election interference and fraud and shenanigans? Well, how can you not believe that there was fraud then that people have not been held accountable to when you see the fraud that's already happening now? We are coming into uh, an area in America where if you take God out of government enough, it'll become a police state. It'll become tyranny. Despotism will take place. Tyrants will get in authority and they will attack political opponents. This is what communists do. This is what Marxists do, is they attack their political opponents. And what do we see happening? If you can't see the fraud that's already started before the election cycle even um, ramps up, you're just plain blind. There are people that have such a bad attitude toward Trump and they're so filled with hate and deception that they don't even see that the police state, the bureaucracy, the FBI, uh, the CIA, the judicial system has now become another arm of the Democratic Party that are not just persecuting, but are prosecuting any opponent or political um, opposition. If you oppose the mainstream politics of today, you come under assault. And for years, we were just persecuted. Now we're being prosecuted. And if you know the Bible, if we don't get God back in our country and in our lives, then it'll lead to execution. There are people that would kill their political opponents, just like in other countries do all the time uh, for power. And, and because we have forsaken Judeo-Christian values, and because the church at large is deceived and being deceived, we're in a bad spot as far as our freedoms and liberties and, and the freedom of thought is coming under assault. The freedom of speech is coming under assault. 
and the freedom of movement is next coming under assault. We need to lovingly push back. And we have a system that through politics and through the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, we can, we can guard our God-given rights and, and have, have order and some similitude of, of, of godly Judeo principles even in a fallen world if we'll do the right thing. All right, let's go ahead and go to the phone and some other questions have come in that are already awesome. I enjoy the questions. I enjoy the, the uh, interaction very much. This is William uh, from Georgia. And William, I want to thank you for your call. You're the first up today. Make it good. <laughs> well, we all seem to see the new world order as being the beast and the cashless economy leading to the mark of the beast. Do you see the body of Christ getting ready to live without the mark? Are there going to be two parallel cultures and economies in the world, one the kingdom of God and the other the kingdom of the beast? And are we going to live without the mark? Are we getting ready? Yeah, I, I, I think the question is over the top. It's very thought-provoking. It's very engaging. Uh, it's a godly question. And, and the answer is absolutely not. We're not prepared. I mean, we got many Christians that don't know what sexual purity is, according to the Word of God. How can they know what the, the deeper things of the Word of God and the kingdom of God are all about? If you, can't, if you can't even understand sexual purity, if you can't understand two genders that God created us and He created two genders, if you're confused over that, you're going to be so confused and deceived over the mark of the beast. And William, one of the reasons it concerns me that we're not ready, and that's why I'm believing for this third great awakening. I'm calling it a third great awakening. I believe the Lord has spoken to me that He's going to intervene, but we're going to have to trust Him. We're going to have to yield to Him. And one of the reasons I, I know we're not prepared is the fear that the governments and world governments were able to create with COVID-19. COVID-19 was a dress rehearsal. The CDC was corrupt. Uh, these foreign governments, the World Economic Forum is corrupt. It's very wicked. It has people on it that uh, do not believe in God, do not believe in creation, do not believe in uh, boundaries and, and borders and economies. They want a world, one world order. And COVID-19 gave the elites an opportunity to see how to shut down countries. They shut down entire countries. We were literally shut down and quarantined. And here's the deal. Let me cut to the chase. I don't want to preach on this. I just appreciate the question. The mandated vaccine was assigned to me. It was God speaking to me that we were told if we do not take this vaccine, if we don't give up the sovereignty of our body, if we don't give up our free will to, to be sovereign over our body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we don't take the shot, the mark of the beast. If we do not take the shot, we can't, we can't work. Uh, we can't travel. We can't 
interact and interface in the economy. That we were literally quarantined, we were, we were shunned, we were falsely accused, that we were called murderers, we were called all kinds of things and shamed into taking the vaccine. And when you're told you can't work unless you take this shot, that's out of the book of Revelation, that the mark of the beast. And when this comes about in a world, one world order, that you will not be able to buy or sell unless you take the mark of the beast. So what was the vaccine mandate? If not, you can't buy or sell unless you take the jab. And how many people took the jab uh, out of fear? How many people took the jab just so they wouldn't lose their job? And again, I'm not condemning anybody that, man, I get it. I had friends that, that took the shot just so they could travel and do missionary work. Um, so I'm not condemning anybody. I'm trying to make a point, and I'm answering your question, William. No, we are not ready to survive. Secondly, you made another great point. I do believe that there needs to be a parallel economy and that we know how to have commerce and buy and sell and exchange goods and services independent of this woke narrative, this woke agenda, this anti-Christ movement. So I'm doing my best to get us prepared. I believe that this ministry, Truth and Liberty, is to help better prepare people not to concede to the antichrist, the spirit of antichrist that's here. Um, so it was such a great question. I want to make sure I follow up. Did I, did I at least address it? Suggestion. And that did I, uh, the, go, go the, ahead. The quick suggestion. That's that people have a family reunion on the land of the most rural person in the family and decide anyone not doing anything worthwhile in town will stay there and plant fruit trees, get the garden in, learn how to can and hunt and fish, and begin the transition from tractors to farm animals, which reproduce themselves and fertilize the fields. And look to the models of, of George Washington Carver and the Amish. And that's an undercore of a global economy. Christians... Ordinary Christians can do that all over the world, and then whatever else has to happen to link them can grow out of that. But that's a, that's just something that people can start doing right now. Well, I think you're very wise. I I, I concur. I agree. Uh, you know, I I I have a couple of cows. I've got horses. I've got chickens. Uh, we do small gardens. Uh, we can we can. Uh, survive <laughs> uh, without taking a mark and compromising our faith uh, as we just get back to some basic, simple things like you're saying. So, man, you're, you're awesome, William. Uh, thank you so much for the call. I know that that was an encouragement for a lot of people. So thank you for calling. All right, AJ, a subscriber from Michigan. Uh, thanks for calling, AJ. What's your question? Hey, Pastor Dwayne. I am wondering, um, so I got this married couple that I know, and I really feel like the wife should continue and finish second year for Karis, but the extension school that she was going to had closed down. So 
Um, I think the nearest one would be hours away. But my, what I feel from in my heart is to suggest that she come live with us, me and my wife, and go to Karis at the actual campus. Um, but that would, oh, that would be awesome. her and her husband. And I don't know how the husband would receive that because he doesn't exactly love the Karis teachings. Oh, well, that, that complicates it a bit. <laughs> uh, man, you're just going to have to seek God on that. You can, you can always test things. Um, in First John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Try the spirits to see whether or not they are of God. For there are many antichrists that have gone out into the world and that, that we can test and try. Are we, are we hearing God? Are we being led by God? So there's no harm in suggesting it. If you and your wife want to do that, uh, you can suggest it and they can begin to pray about it. Of course, they're going to have to honor the husband. You don't want to uh, hinder their marriage. But uh, I would begin to pray and I would get her to pray for the husband to see the value of, of Karis and her going to Karis. If it changes her and makes her a better wife, I think the husband would be more compliant. <laughs> so, so I would just suggest that you do, that you do, that you do um, offer the offer and trust God in the answer and pursue it from there in wisdom. Well, thanks for the call, AJ. I appreciate you so much. You're a great brother. Thanks for opening up your home or willing to open your home to students. I think we're going to see more of that as the need for housing increases right here in Woodland Park. All right, we have another subscriber. Thank you for subscribing. This is Elizabeth from Missouri. Uh, thank you for calling, Elizabeth. Uh, what is your question or comment? Yes, sir, Pastor Duane. I don't have a question because I'm just so right on with everything that you are saying and teaching. But I just wanted to call and thank you from the bottom of my heart that you are putting these things out there to help people to um, get firm in their understanding of what's going on with our, with our country and our government and um, yes. how they need to get their eyes open. Amen. Well, we really do. And uh, I understand pastor's reservations. I pastored for over 35 years. Uh, I've been in ministry now for over 40 years. And uh, I get the complexity of pastoring, and you've got lost people that are attending. You've got Christians that are just con converts. They're not disciples. They're not established in the Word, and so they haven't been taught how to hear. They get offended easily. I get all that. I've experienced those emotions, concerns, and reservations. But we have to light up our pulpits we have to learn to speak the truth in love, in God's compassion and kindness. And when I bring these things up, I don't make it personal. I'm not attacking anyone personally, but there are spirits behind all of this, this woke movement and all this corruption in our government. Our government is tremendously corrupt, and there just doesn't seem to be an understanding of it or a will to counter it, to push back. I'm not talking about violence. I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm talking about we've got to push back in prayer. We've got to push back in our actions of electing people that we know locally into local government and then help promote them on 
into state and federal government. We can turn this thing around. We can, we can stop the abuse of our children. We can stop the abuse of spending. We can stop the abuse on the border. I plan on having a, 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 a state representative, my representative, on the show here soon that is on the council to the border and oversight of the border. And what country opens up their border like this and, and prefers illegal? See, people, I get it. People are so carnal and they're so dull of hearing, they don't even hear illegal alien. Uh, they hear things you're not even saying when you say we need to protect our border. We have to protect the American citizen. We have to have a border to stop the fentanyl that's coming across the border. It can, we're doing this to ourselves. And the great awakening, I think, is going to start, obviously, with us individually. It's going to hit our churches where, where there's this awakening to righteousness and sin not. Wake up, be awakened to God's righteousness. Seek ye the kingdom first and his righteousness. And all these other things get added unto us. Um, there were people in our founding and our founding fathers. Listen, they were not Christian, but the Judeo-Christian faith dominated still the culture and their character, and they believed in God. They believed in absolute truth. Many of them were not saved. They were not born again, but they knew right from wrong. They had a sensitive conscience. They loved the country. They understood God-given rights, even if they're not going to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there are people that have more godliness in them that aren't born again than many people that claim to be a Christian. So there has to be a great awakening. So Elizabeth, I appreciate you calling. I appreciate your encouragement. Um, I hope and pray we're an encouragement to you and that you continue to be an encouragement to other people. All right, let's go to some of our other questions. I don't know if I'm going to get back to the teaching. We have so many questions, but you can call us at 719-719-619-2341. area code 619-2341, and I'll take your call if at all possible and uh, look at your question or your comment. We appreciate the input. Truth and Liberty is going to be a format where there will be people calling in that will have insight like William did and, and, and Elizabeth just did. Those are, those are helping other people that either don't have the courage to call uh, or embarrassed. I don't know why people don't call. I've never called in a talk show. <laughs> so I get it, I guess. But uh, we appreciate your calls. Some other questions. How do we learn to fear the Lord? What is a practical way to fear the Lord? Well, fearing the Lord is worshiping the Lord. Matthew 4.10, Jesus said to the devil, we are to worship the Lord our God, and Him only do we serve. That's Deuteronomy 6.13, where the Scriptures and Moses said, we are to fear the Lord, and Him only are we to serve. So worship God is how you develop your fear of the Lord. That's what the fear of the Lord is. A respect for God, reverence, holy reverence. So how do you develop that? How do you practice that? 
You let the word of God be exalted in your life. When you fear God, you let God be true and every man a liar. So you search the scriptures. The world says this. The voice of the dragon is this. The voice of the lamb is this. The fear of the Lord is to depart from this and exalt this in worship and thanksgiving to God. Even when I'm confused, and I know you maybe are never confused, <laughs> but I get confused sometimes, even in the scriptures, or confused with what's going on in our world and in our churches. And so I have to go to God and just thank him and begin to worship him. That, Lord, I just worship you. I thank you that you are ultimately in control. While God is not controlling everything, man has a free will, and we have exercised that free will against God, and now we're suffering the consequences. But God is sovereign, capital S. We are created in his image and in his likeness, little bitty S, with a free will, created in God's image and in God's likeness. Like God has freedom of thought, we have freedom of thought. Like God has freedom of speech, we have freedom of speech. God has freedom of movement. The first thing God did was move upon the face of the earth in Genesis chapter 1, freedom of movement. And so that is the image of God in us. And within that, we are to now worship him for that. Thank you, Father. While I'm confused and while I don't know what's going on, I thank you that you are sovereign and in control. You are working. You are moving. Help me to see it. Help me to understand it. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the six o'clock anchor said that God's word says this. I'm going with the word of God. I'm believing the word of God. I'm exalting the word of God. That is the fear of the Lord. It's respect and reverence for God. Man says this, God says that. What's the fear of the Lord? Depart from this, cling to this, abhor this, and cling to this. I think that leads to the next question. No, the next question is awesome too. And then we've got a, a pretty good question or two. One of our listeners is 77 years old, and he wants to know can, or they want to know, I don't know if it's a male or female, they want to know, can God restore the lost years of the locust? Man, that is a great question. And I guarantee you, again, there are thousands of people that are watching. There are people that will watch this in the archives, and this will speak to them. So I didn't get your name, but man, I can, I can tell you absolutely God can restore the years that the locust stole. Those were wasted years granted, but God is amazing and magnificent and wonderful and is the restorer of the breach. That's, that's who he is. And Moses didn't even get into ministry till he was 80. Now, granted, he lived to be 120, uh, so you got to factor that in, but God loves you and God wants to use you still. I, I, I can't say, you know, emphatically how and how much and how God restores what the locust stole, but I can tell you God has restored you. God loves you, and God wants to use you in your latter years. Your latter years, I can guarantee you, will be greater, much greater than your former years. He can excel the process of using you. 
I felt the same way. I lost 15 years. Now, that's not 77, so it's not apples to apples. But I basically lost 15 years. My first 15 years of my Christian experience, I, I just failed miserably. And in the last four, I just fell away. Uh, I just felt flawed. And, and I just felt like I couldn't really serve God like I needed to. And so anyway, I lost those years. And when I came back in May of 1980 and had this open vision of the cross, I felt that sense of loss. How much have I lost? And God certainly restored me. And uh, I went straight to Bible school after that vision. I quit in my senior year. I was just a few weeks away from graduating in my senior year of college. And I, I, I lost my desire for that secular direction that I was headed. And I knew God had called me. And I, I felt like I was behind the eight ball, so I got busy. So let me, let me say this to you. Get in the Word of God. Sign up for Karis immediately. Do a correspondence class. If you can go to the, to the campus in Woodland Park, I guarantee you one year, you will be so restored in so many things that God can bring back. So I want to encourage you in that. I got three minutes. Let me take another question. What version of the Bible do you prefer and why? I actually prefer the King James Bible. And the reason why is, is I grew up on it. I, I have memorized so much of it and it's in my heart. But even when I'm using another translation, I can quote the King James version of it. And so I do personally <clears throat> love the King James Bible. I minister out of the uh, New King James. Excuse me. Let me take a sip here. <coughs> Pardon me. I minister mostly out of the New King James Bible. I like the New Living Translation. <coughs> oh, mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for my voice. And so I mainly minister out of the New King James Bible for the younger people. They, they do not um, understand many times the King James Bible as well. And so they, they like the New King James. And again, the New Living Translation is my, my favorite reading translation. My favorite study Bible is the New King James. My favorite reading just of scriptures, <clears throat> just so I can get the spirit of what the scriptures are saying is the New Living Translation. <laughs> Excuse me. I really enjoy the Amplified Bible. It, it's not louder. <laughs> it's amplified, but it, it amplifies the verse. It just gives you more words um, to, to elaborate on, on what God is saying. And it just helps me many times when I'm really digging something out. So when I'm studying, I primarily use the King James Believe it or not, my favorite resource is a dictionary. It helps me as much as anything. It makes me look bad in some people's eyes, but the dictionary really helps me. And Strong's Concordance is my, my second uh, resource that I rely a lot on. And then other translations. If I'm struggling with a verse, I'll just read some different translations, and it'll help get me the spirit you know, of what that verse is saying. So that's the answer to that. Uh, what is more important, the fear of God or the love of God? What a great question. What's more important, the fear of the Lord or the love of God? Well, I'm going to make a short answer here and take my break. 
But you can't fear God if you don't love God. And if you love God, you will fear God. So they're interchangeable as well. It is impossible to fear God and not love him. And so the two are parallel. It's impossible to love God, really love God, and not have a fear, a worship of him, be in awe of him. And so those two go hand in hand. All right, I'm going to take a 90-second break, and I'll be back with your phone calls and questions. Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources. But just being a part of this, uh, being filled with the Word of God and with ARMY, and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through Army. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam. Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. As an Army member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one -on -one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff. This is Truth and Liberty. And I appreciate your phone calls and your comments. I appreciate the opportunity that Andrew has given me and Richard Harris to host and to hopefully be an encouragement to you in the Word of God and in, and in current events. In time, as we come into the election, we'll be sharing more on the current events and what's going on specifically in our nation and and how to, to lean on the Lord, yield to the Lord. I need to finish my, if you will, safeguards. I'm bound and determined to get this done. I don't want to do another program on it. And so let's look at the safeguards again that protect us from deception. The first one was God's Word and letting God's Word be final authority in your life. That if God says the sky is green, then the sky is green, no matter what anybody else says. And so that's, that's, that's a safeguard. You cannot be deceived unless you leave the Word of God. Number two was the voice of God, learning to discern, learning to heed the lead, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God on the inside of you. Number three was the fear of the Lord. We've had some questions on that that have been very, very good. We have to develop a fear of God, a wholesome fear of God, a dread <laughs> of displeasing Him. I just want to please God. I love the Lord and I want to bless Him. I want to please Him. That's the fear of the Lord. And then the fourth thing we looked at was the simplicity of Jesus. 
the simplicity of the cross, the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of the spirit of God in our lives. The fifth one, number five, that is a safeguard is faith obedience. Faith obedience. Self-deception is one of the worst deceptions on the planet. And, and many people are experiencing self-deception because they're hearing the word, but they're not obedient to the word. They're not doing the word of God. James chapter 1, verse 21 talks about putting away certain things. And then it says in verse 22 of James chapter 1, be ye a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving ourselves. There's a point where when we disobey God, we refuse to obey God, that we experience self-deception. And there's a lot of that out there. Many people are deceived, and it's simply because they've rejected God's word. They refuse to obey God. They refuse to yield their members over to God as instruments of righteousness. And so they're yielding their members over to the dragon, the serpent, the devil, as, as members of unrighteousness, and it's working death and deception in their lives. So we have to learn to obey. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm not talking about never making a mistake. I'm talking about you just simply have a heart to obey. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Wow, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's a short verse, but it's simple that we obey God, keep his commandments out of a love for him. I'm not keeping his commandments out of guilt or condemnation or religion or rituals or something to earn something from God. Why, why am I obedient to the Lord and, and learning to be quick to obey even more so than I am to this day? It's because I love him. It's obedience that comes out of faith, faith obedience, not works of the law, but faith without works or action is dead. There's a point you have to obey. You have to act on the word of God or it leads to some form, type, or kind of deception. And so be quick to obey God. That same chapter of John chapter 14, verse 21 says, He that hath my commandments and keeps them, it is he that loves me. We don't need to be deceived on who loves God in these latter days. Many people are deceived, and they think people are speaking for God and that people love God. But those same people that say they're speaking for God and are representing God and something godly reject God's commandments, refuse to accept and yield to God's kingdom protocols and values and principles and character and nature etc., etc., etc. So faith obedience is vital. Luke chapter 6, we've got a few other questions and, and some phone calls coming up here in just a moment. Let me take time to go to Luke chapter 6. This is just cool. It's, it's, it, it's, it's a real blessing to me when I read a scripture like this, especially in our culture and even in church culture, how people claim they love Jesus, but they reject his commandments. They claim to love God, but they reject his commandments. And you don't need to be deceived. You don't need to follow people like that. 
Um, so what did Jesus say here about his commandments in Luke, in Luke chapter, chapter uh, 6, verse 46? Luke 6, 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? <laughs> Man, that's so simple. Remember, we need to keep it simple. The simplicity of Jesus is one of the safeguards we have from all this deception. Why do you call him Lord, Lord, and you do not do what he says? People who claim he's Lord and call him Lord and won't do what he says are deceived and deceivers. And so you need to stay away from that kind of spirit, that kind of doctrine of, of truly saying one thing with the intent of doing another thing. Nobody's perfect. All of us, even in ministry, we, we try to uh, minister God's best, his highest for your life and values. And, and many times, even in ministry, we're falling short of the standards that we're presenting. But that doesn't make us a hypocrite. Failing in keeping God's commandments does not make you a hypocrite. Falling short of keeping God's commandments does not make you a hypocrite. The dragon... The serpent, the devil, and his voice in the world, he'll always call you a hypocrite if you're falling short of God's best or you're making mistakes. No, hypocrites are actors. Hypocrites are pretenders. Hypocrites are people that act one day, one way, with no intent to be what they're acting. In other words, there are people that act like a Christian, but they have no intent of being a Christian. They're just deceiving people, and they have ulterior motives for promotions or for, for acceptance, and on and on I could go with actors, hypocrites. You're not a hypocrite if you fail or fall. You're real. You're a real person with a perfect spirit that longs God, for God's commandments and to do God's commandments, but you have an unrenewed mind an unredeemed body living in a fallen world and we make mistakes, we fail, we fall. But when he said, if you love me, keep my commandments, one of his commandments is when you fail or you fall, repent. That's keeping his commandment. When I mess up, I fess up. That's keeping the commandment of God. That's having a repentive heart, a humble spirit. And so you and I can walk after this safeguard and learn faith obedience. And then the sixth one, not sure I'll get to it. I want to take your calls. We got one of my favorite callers on the phone. Uh, but the, the sixth one is maturity. Your greatest defense, look at me, listen to me. <laughs> look at me. Your greatest defense against deception is maturity. It's the immature that get duped. It's the innocent and immature. It's people that have become converts, but have never become disciples that are easily deceived. Think about that for a minute. Think about when you were a child, if you can, if you can remember any of your childhood. Think about the children you ha have or had. When they were immature, they were they were gullible. They were, they were easily deceived. They actually believed in things that, that are bizarre and impossible and crazy. But 
God gave us all the ability to believe. And if you don't mature, you'll believe in lies. You'll, you'll be deceived. And so our greatest defense against deception is growing up into Jesus, maturing, going from a convert to a disciple. That's why Karis Bible School is so vital in this third great awakening. There is going to be an influx of people into Karis Bible School in all of our extension schools, hungry for the Word of God, hungry to grow up, not sit around and wait to go up but hungry to grow up into him in all things. And they need the word spoken to them. The truth spoken in love is the only way we're going to grow up. Ephesians 4, 15 says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, these people were carnal. They, they, they never went from a, a convert to a disciple. And man, they just were just like mere men. They were easily deceived. There was divisions among them, strife among them. All the problems we have are immaturity. That's just oversimplifying it. But I guarantee you, if I could sit down with every one of you individually and tell me your story, tell me what your problems are, tell me where you're struggling, I can bring it back to immaturity. You're simply immature and you need to grow up in the Lord. So those are the six things. I got a few more questions. Let's take a few calls. We've got a few more minutes left. One of my favorite callers, <laughs> Frank from Missouri. Thank you for calling, man, Frank. You're you're a blessing. Man, uh, man uh, I, I always receive something from you and the, and the uh, 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 you know me that it's like uh, when I'm <laughs> at a loss for words. It's like you know, yeah. hey, uh, uh, the Lord's well, doing something. <laughs> Amen. Well, Frank, you don't you don't have a loss for words, my friend. You may be a lot of things, but a loss for words is not one of them. And you always have a good word, an encouraging word, and I love you for it. So, what's your question hey, today? I, I love me? you too, man. Hey, that, this book is just out of this world. I, you know, you're good. talking about self deception, self deception, and, and and you know, and I. You know, I, I probably wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in if I wasn't somewhat self-deceived. But uh, you know, it, but I can get out of that by the grace of God and by absolutely what your book says, Pastor Dwayne. Your your book says faith doesn't come by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and 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 by hearing. That's good. You got it. Man, I've been saying that for forty years. Well, let me let me. You, you triggered something, Frank, and I know you can hold your thought for a minute because the listeners need to hear this. When James said in James chapter 1, verse 22, be ye uh, not just a hearer, but a doer of the word, deceiving yourself. Then he talks about a man looking into the mirror and that he walks away from the mirror and he forgets what he saw and the work, the finished work of the cross. And for us to mature and develop, we have to Behold and be beholding the glory of the Lord. Not having beheld, not having heard. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing and then hearing and then hearing. There's a mystery to this that you may even get it, Frank, and our listeners. You may, you may hear God and faith will come immediately into your heart and into your life. But you have to keep on hearing because that faith 
has to be fed. It's like an animal, man. It's like an animal against unbelief. It's an animal against wickedness. And faith has to be fed. And so you have to keep on hearing and hearing. I tell you, one of the greatest deceptions that people experience sitting in church, and, and I hear it all the time. I'll start to share on something, Frank, and, and I can hear in my spirit. I've heard other people come up to me and say, well, I've heard this message. Well, did you hear it? Because if you have no hunger to hear it again and to hear what you heard and to understand more what you understood, then you're not walking by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So thank you, Frank, for that observation. Frank is referring, the listeners need to know, Frank is referring to my book, Rhythms of Grace, Rhythms of Grace. And we had a contest on one of my shows where we gave out a free copy of Rhythms of Grace and Frank won that day. I was kind of happy that Frank won. All right, Frank, back to you now. <laughs> Go ahead. I just, I just feel loved by God. And so it's like mirror, mirror on the wall. I know who is Lord <laughs> of all. You can Amen. find him in the Bible in many churches that I know, but till you find him in the mirror, you got a long way to go. I don't know that. that Amen. So That's, powerful. Really, That's powerful. That's powerful. And this is, yeah, yeah, be a doer of the word and not hear hear only. Uh, uh, a couple of thoughts, Pastor. Is uh, you know, one is uh, you know, I sat for six years with the with the pastor, a Presbyterian, that that did not teach the Lamb's Book of Life, only believed in seven books of the Bible, but I learned a Greek word hmm. for doer there, and the word is poetis, and it's the same Greek uh, root word that we get for workmanship. So po the difference between Paul's— That's good. Yeah, po poem. We are his poema created in Christ Jesus, yep. and and be a, a poetess. Yeah. So it, it the the doing and the well, and the work is from God. My question. I got a question. Wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, for the listener, you're triggering it again. When you go back and you read James chapter one, it says he forgets the work, not the word. The word leads you to the work of the cross the work of redemption, the work of the new creation. And when we forget who we are, forget what's been provided, we wind up departing in time from the faith instead of departing from evil. And so the work is the workmanship of God. That's what we are to be a doer of, the new creation. All right, Frank, I won't interrupt again. Go to your question. <laughs> no, that, that is powerful, man. I appreciate You don't know how much I appreciate hearing that, man. And I, and I could probably just, just sit up and listen to you forever and a day, man. And, and, <laughs> well, you're my kind. Question is about Jesus, my question is about, do you think that, that we cannot do the word without Jesus doing it to us and Jesus doing it through us. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's no longer us that live, uh, Galatians 2.20, but Christ that liveth in us. So when we're doing the work, the finished work of Jesus, we are simply yielding to the new life of Christ that's in us. Christ in us, the great mystery that was hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, Colossians 1, 27, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the work 
that we do is the work of faith in the finished work of Jesus. And Jesus was asked that that one time, what what works can we do? What what works can we do the pleasing God? And, and, and Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on the Son of God, that you believe on the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the work he's talking about, the doing of the word is believing and having faith actions that follow the finished work of Christ. Being kind to one another is a doer of the work of the kindness that God has bestowed upon you in Christ. Forgiving isn't us in the flesh and us in the natural just, well, I'm going to forgive. No, Christ has forgiven me. And because I am so forgiven out of that work of forgiveness, I forgive now. That's why we can forgive anybody of anything is Christ has forgiven us of everything. So absolutely, it's Christ in us. It's the very life of Christ flowing in us and through us that makes us a blessing and causes us to be blessed. Well, Frank, I appreciate the call. I'm going to give you another shot. Anything else you want to say before I go to the next question? Yeah, this this ought to trip your trigger, too, that uh, 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 the... Uh, yeah, I, I like these. I like to with these young people. Some people have never even heard. You know, you ask somebody what the Great Commission is, they can't even tell you what the Great Commission is. So hey, uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to be a hammer or anything. I want to be nice. Sure. <laughs> anyway, sure. But but uh, uh, but, but the, we have the, to encourage three, people to know what the Great Commission is. <laughs> so, yeah, so hey, you know, so, Frank. Now watch this now. Look. Great commission, okay, great commission, great commandment, and the great, uh, uh, the you know, I got this really from Mark Hankins, Pastor Mark Hankins. He's a good brother. Uh, uh, yeah, the great, the great confession, and you just quoted it. So you know, most people they they, they can put it in their own in own words. Uh, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel, or uh, you know, by by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. You have love one to, to to the other, but they can't quote that Galatians two twenty, and that it, I agree with uh, Pastor Mark Hankins that that is the great confession. I'm crucified oh, with Christ, nevertheless I live. Hallelujah. Not I, but Christ. In the life that I live yeah. in the flesh, I live by the faith that's in the Son of God. He loved. Who did he love? He loved me Notice and gave himself that she for loved me. You. He loved me. Notice that we're living by the faith of the Son of God. So the, the work is faith in who Jesus is and who he is in you and being through you. And that's what makes us a blessing. Every good thing, brothers and sisters, those of you that are watching, there's no good independent of God. And any good in your life is not you. It's not your flesh and the works of your flesh. There's no good thing in you that is to say your flesh, Romans 7, 18. But there is a good thing in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. All the good in you is Christ in you, the hope of all glory. Any, any, anything you know that is good comes from Christ in you. Anything you do that is good is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, thanks again, Frank, for calling. Let me go back to, to our questions. Uh, here's a good question. How can people be called to Jesus when they don't believe there is such a thing as absolute truth? That's a great question. Lots of people reject the Bible, reject absolute truth, 
reject Judeo-Christian principles in our culture today. And you might have the question, well, how can they be saved? How can they call upon the name of the Lord? How can they believe if they reject absolute truth? Let me encourage you that the truth is the truth, whether someone accepts it or believes it or not. When I'm sharing, I see people saved in, in, in every meeting I have. Uh, nearly every time I preach, people come to the Lord. And many of those people have rejected the truth. I had a man, I had a man come up to me years later after he attended uh, Victory Life. And he said, uh, man, I love you so much now. We had been become friends uh, actually went and played golf with him. This was decades ago, uh, played golf with him and, and things of that nature, fellowshiped at church together. Uh, but anyway, he said that when he, he came to church specifically, he didn't like me. Uh, he didn't like anything I had to say. And he came to church uh, to prove me wrong. His attitude was bad. His rejection of the word of God was clear. But what we have to factor in is the truth is the truth, whether people believe it, accept it, or reject it. So when we speak the truth in love, listen to me, dear ones, there's a Holy Spirit. There is a Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in John chapter 8 that God sent the Holy Spirit into the world to convict the world of sin, of judgment, and of righteousness. And then, and then he said, of sin because they believe not on me. The mission of the Holy Spirit and work of the Holy Spirit in the world today in lost people's lives, and yes, God loves lost people. We were those lost people that God loved. And God sent Jesus to save and seek that which was lost. That's you and me. Lost people do not have absolute truth. Lost people do not have virtues and values and character that's what makes them lost, is a nature in Adam that they're born into, the nature of the flesh. And so what is the mission of the Holy Spirit? To convict the world of truth, to convict them of sin, singular. And then he said, of sin, because they believe not on me. The whole mission of the Holy Spirit is to speak to somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't believe in absolute truth. So while this is a good question, it begs explanation of this is where every one of us were. We didn't believe in absolute truth. We were convicted by the Holy Spirit of sin, not sins. The Holy Spirit isn't convicting a, a lost person of smoking of gambling, of drinking, of, of running around, having affairs. That's not what the Holy Spirit convicts a lost person of. Even if a lost person tried to quit some of those things, after the flesh, they would still die in their sin and go to a devil's hell. So what does the Holy Spirit convict the world of? Of sin, singular, and then he tells you what the sin is because they believe not on me. The only sin that wasn't covered on the cross is the sin of unbelief, the rejection of the cross. That's actually the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Christians in some Christian circles have a, a, a tormenting fear. I've dealt with a lot of Christians that feel like they've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. 
And blaspheming the Holy Spirit is the rejection of the conviction of who Jesus is. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you've not committed blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. You have believed because the sin that the Holy Spirit convicts the whole world of is the rejection of Jesus, the rejection of the cross. So don't let people who say they don't believe in the Bible keep you from witnessing to them. Don't let people who say, well, I don't believe in absolute truth. I believe that everything's relative. I believe truth is, is, is subjective. Don't let, that, don't let that keep you from sharing God's love for them. Don't, don't let that detour you from the gospel message of Christ died for their sins. He died for their unbelief. Will they believe? And if you share the truth in love, faith will come by hearing and hearing by the truth or by the word of God. So that was a great question, and I delighted actually in answering it. I, I really know that, that that helped a lot of people. All right, uh, another question that we all have is, can the election system be restored? The election system is broken, and it's broken, though, by free will. People have chosen to break it, to compromise it, and all it takes to fix it is to restore it in the sense of people demanding election integrity. All we've got to do is pass simple laws, enforce the laws we already have, just like the border. We don't need any uh, border reform. We need to to enforce the laws we already have. It is against the law. It's a federal law. It's a felony to break our border security and enter the country illegally. I actually heard a, a governor say that all the, they had became a sanctuary city and they said that most of the illegal immigrants were law-abiding citizens. It's like, that'll make your head spin. That's how corrupt people are. It's how deceived they are. It's how blind they are. Every one of them have committed a felony. They're not mostly law-abiding citizens. They're not citizens. They're felons. And I'm not saying we should be mean to them. I'm not saying we shouldn't be compassionate. See, people don't know how to hear. I'm running out of time. I can't explain that fully. But you need to come into the country legally. And if we would just enforce the laws... Texas, I live in Oklahoma, right on the Texas border, so I'm familiar with things that are happening in Texas. And Texas has just passed some state laws to enforce the border. And Joe Biden is suing Texas for trying to secure their border, and he won't secure it. The Democratic Party and probably over half of the Republican Party will not secure the border. That has to be enforced. We have to elect people that'll protect us. So absolutely, the system can be restored. We, we need to, we need to um, really watch the elections and, and, and again, have ele election integrity. These ballots and uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, the New York Times, I think it was in 2012, because the Republicans were talking about, especially in Florida, about mail-in ballots, the New York Times published an article that there was much fraud. 
twice as much fraud in mail-in ballots. So we need to get back to voting and voter ID. It's easy to fix if we have the political will. We could have fixed slavery too if we'd had the political will, but we didn't. I pray we do have the political will to restore it. Well, thanks for being a part of Truth and Liberty. I'm out of time. I enjoyed being your host today. Thank you so much for the calls and comments. Have a great day. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.